بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما والحقنا بعبادك الصالحين ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته respected brothers and sisters in Islam we thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى for giving us tawfiq to congregate for a little while on this Mubarak night which is known as the night of Ashura the 10th of Muharram it is a sanctified day of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in Islam generally we are taught that time and place are two receptacles which become valuable based on what is placed therein in Arabic it's called al-dharf the dharf is a utensil or receptacle. If whatever is placed in it, that's what makes that utensil valuable. So similarly, our time and places in this world, the value of these places and the times will depend on the type of quality activities or events that occurred in those places and times. And this is something acknowledged in our deen, that based on the situation and location of something, the value spiritually and also psychologically will be identified. The, if you look in the masjid, you'll find tiles and bricks and adornment which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to feel to do. There's bricks in a masjid. It has a particular value, a sanctity and love and affection which we go out of our way to manifest. We ensure that it's always clean. It's maintained. This is part of our deen. You also get bricks in the toilet. And the spiritual recognition we give to that brick or the stone which is in the toilet obviously differs from the one in the masjid. It differs from the one which is in the Kaaba. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed different status and different values to certain of his creations. Similarly in time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, placed certain levels of value and status in times based on events which occurred in those times in the past. And inshallah we'll touch on some of those things very briefly, we have a program, and we're very fortunate that uh, we have a colleague of ours, Qari Abdul Basit Qazi, who is, uh, he graduated at Darulum Zakaria many years ago. He's an ustad of Qiraat and Imam in Toronto in Canada, and uh, he's visiting his family back home. So we are honored that he's uh, blessed us with his presence, inshallah. So we request him to uh, render a recitation, inshallah, after which our imams will also participate in the rest of the program. Qari Abdul Basit. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله 
وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْجِبَالِ فَقُلْ يَنْسِفُهَا رَبِّي نَسْفًا فَيَذَرُهَا قَاعًا صَفًا لَا تَرَى فِيهَا عِوَجًا فَيَذَرُهَا قَاعًا صَفًا صَفًا لَا تَرَى فِيهَا عِوَجًا وَلَا أَمْتًا
وكان الله قويا عزيزا وأنزل الذين ظاهروهم من أهل الكتاب من صياصيهم وقذف في قلوبهم الرعب فريقا تقتلون وتأسرون فريقا وأورثكم أرضهم وديارهم وأموالهم وأرضا لم تطؤوها وكان الله على كل شيء قديرا يا أيها النبي قل لأزواجك إن كنتن تردن الحياة الدنيا وزينتها فتعالين فتعالين أمتعكن وأسرحكن سراحا جميلا وإن كنتن تردن الله ورسوله والدار الآخرة فإن الله أعد للمحسنات منكن أجرا عظيما يا نساء النبي من يأت منكن بفاحشة مبينة يضاعف لها العذاب ضعفين وكان ذلك على الله يسيرا ومن يقنت منكن لله ورسوله وتعمل صالحا نؤتها اجرها مرتين واعتدنا لها رزقا كريما صدق الله العظيم Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. InshaAllah we'll recite a salawat and we request our brothers to join in the repeated words of Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Oh, 
كالنسبي أعلى الحسبي كل العربي في خدمته اللهم صلي على Yeah. Uh-huh. 
العبد من مولاه لا إله إلا الله 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 قد أتانا في الأخبار عن النبي
Oh, oh. 
اللهم صل على محمد يا رب صل عليه وسلم اللهم صل على محمد يا رب صل عليه وسلم اللهم صل صل على محمد يا ربي خصه بالفضيلة اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي وارضى عن السنان اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي وارضى عن الصحابة اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي وارحمنا جميعا اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي وصريح كل مصريح اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي وكفي كل مؤلي الله صل على محمد يا ربي وارزقنا الشهادة اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي حقنا بالسعادة اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي حفظانك وأمانك اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي واسكننا جنانك اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي أجرنا من عذابك اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي أذقنا بعد عفوك اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي يا سامي صل على محمد يا ربي لا تقطع رجانا اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي بلغنا نزوره اللهم صل على محمد يا ربي تغشانا شفع اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله الحمد Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar.
سبحان الله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر
الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد As we said in the beginning of the program Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created time and place and made these receptacles of various type of activities if good deeds are done in time and places then that place takes effect of the, of the good deeds or the bad deeds whatever is committed therein similarly in our legacy of Islam we find in the Sharia of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that at certain times when particular events occurred or certain incidents happened, the time in which those events took place were commemorated and remembered. Just a few weeks ago, we had the whole season of Hajj. And the entire season of Hajj is an emulation, a revival, a reminder of the sacrifices of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. When he went from place to place, the Hujjaj went from Mina to, to Arafat, to back to Mina, Muzdalifa, and Mecca, and doing the Tawaf from place to place. In emulation of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, and his blessed wife Hajar, and his blessed son Sayyidina Ismail alayhi salam. So this was a legacy which found itself in the history of that particular era. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the Sharia of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has prescribed that that becomes part of what we commemorate and we revive to instill the awareness of how sacrifice should be maintained in the life of a believer. Similarly, in with regards to the tent of Muharram, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes to Medina Munawwara and he, in fact, the, the, the tent of Muharram was sanctified even by the, the Quraysh and the Arabs, but not to the extent as it was by the Bani Israel. So when Rasulullah sallallahu came to Medina Munawwara, he inquired as to why the Bani Israel, the Yahud, were fasting. And they said, هُوَ يَوْمٌ نَجَّى فِيهِ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى مُوسَى وَأَهْلَهُ It is the day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave salvation and saved Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam and the Bani Israel from the treachery of Fir'aun. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the final prophet and as he mentioned in a hadith Al-Anbiya ikhwatun li'allat The Anbiya alayhi salam are all brothers Deenuhum wahid Their deen is one Wa ummahatuhum shatta And their sharia might differ So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hearing that they are expressing their gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for saving Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam on the day of Ashura on the 10th of Muharram He said Nahnu ahaqqu bi Musa minkum we are more worthy and deserving of emulating Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam fa'amara bi siyamihi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam thereafter instructed the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to observe the fast of Ashura. So initially it was necessary to fast and when the month of Ramadan was blessed as a, as a gift to the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which the Quran was revealed then this fast was relegated to the status of sunnah and an optional fast. The scholars have mentioned there is another fast which passed in Dhul Hijjah, which was the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, Yawm Arafah. And Rasulullah says, a person who fasts the day of Arafah gets the reward of his previous sins and the future years' sins pardon. So two years of sins are forgiven. And the day of Ashura, that which is tomorrow, a person who fasts that day, Rasulullah says, that one year of his previous sins will be pardoned. And the Muhaddithin give a beautiful explanation as to the difference between these two days. They say the day of Arafah is attributed and linked to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam because it was that day, in fact, one a Jewish scholar said to Sayyidina, say, uh, to Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu that you know that there's a verse in the Quran if 
that verse had to be revealed on the Bani Israel, they would have made the day of its revelation a Eid, a day of celebration. So Sayyidina Umar said, what is that day? And the Jewish scholar said to him, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum al-Islam adina. Today I have perfected for you your deen. And I have completed my bounty upon you. And I have pre- preferred and loved for you the deen of Islam. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh smiled and said, I know when this verse was revealed and where it was revealed. And I was present when it was revealed. It was revealed on the day of Jumu'ah in the plains of Arafah upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The day of Jumu'ah is the Eid uh, that we celebrate weekly. And the day of Arafah is a day we celebrate by fasting, which is the, known as the, the day of Arafah, the, the ninth day of the Hijjah, when we fast with the hope of two years of reward. So the day of Arafah is attributed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, therefore a double reward of the previous and the future year. And the day of Ashura, which is tomorrow, is brought to us via Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam salvation. So a distinction between the rank of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. And obviously these ranks are not uttered by us because we want to give the ranks of the Anbiya alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka rusulu faddalna ba'dahum ala ba'd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the various ranks of the Anbiya alayhi salam. For us we love all of them, we respect and revere all of them. So Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam was saved on this particular day and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him via certain a'mal which he inculcated in the life of his followers. When Fir'aun was oppressing them, and this is a lesson for us, the time of time is very limited. When the Bani Israel were being persecuted, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salatu wasalam told them, اِجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةً Make a qibla in your house and perform salah towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Turn to Allah. This is a point of reflection for us. Whether it be the, the activities we experiencing difficulty in our jobs, in our families, or globally as an ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are seeing what is happening in Palestine. May Allah grant them ease and victory over the oppressive Yahud. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroy those people who are despicable in their uh, dis- discrimination and oppression towards innocent women and children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove them from the face of this earth. Respected brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the solution to this ummah via the actions of Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam is mentioned many times in the Quran. And there are many lessons in various parts of his life. And one was this, that he instructed his ummah to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in salah. If there is a lesson for today, besides the fasting of tomorrow, which we will observe, inshallah, which is optional, it is for us to ensure that we start performing our five times daily salah for the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come. This is sometimes weaknesses we all have. And Rasulullah sallallahu said, every son of Adam alayhi salam is a sinner and we falter and we make mistakes. But the best are those who repent and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It just takes turning back to Allah. Tawbah in Arabic means, Tawbah and Inaba means to stop and turn around and head in the opposite direction. When a person sins, he moves away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we make Tawbah, we are basically showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I've acknowledged my fault and I'm turning back to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the, the sanctity and the blessed nature of this day is linked in the authentic ahadith to the story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. There are many, many other incidents which found their way into our books and onto our tongues with regards to what happened on the tent of Muharram. Some of them are authenticated and some of them are fabricated. You know, sometimes a big event happens, so somebody says that must have also happened on the, on the day of Ashura. Another thing happened, that's also the tent of Muharram. 
and uh, whatever is correctly and authentically proven from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that is what we are allowed to say. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has prohibited us from attributing something to him which he didn't, which he didn't say. He said, "Man kadaba alayya mutaammidan falyatabawa maqadahu min al-nar." That person who falsely attributes to me something which I didn't say should prepare his abode in the fire of Jahannam. So yes, if something has been documented historically and it doesn't contravene any of the essential integral parts of our Sharia, there's no harm in mentioning it as an historical fact. But we do not say Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said so. So there is a narration in Musnad of Imam Ahmad of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam being given salvation on this day. But there is some academic discussion around the, 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 the strength of, the, of that particular narration. And the other events which have been mentioned of Yunus salam and various other things we hear at times like this, many of them have not been authenticated. So the most authentic is the fact that Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam was protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fasting of this day and being generous to one's family members is also mentioned in the hadith. The scholars have varying views with regards to the hadith of a person spending and opening his, his, his generosity towards his family on the day of Ashura. من وسع على عياله يوم عاشوراء وسع الله عليه سائر سنته. Some of the jurists have uh, said that there's a question to the, the, the strength of this hadith, but majority of the senior muhaddithin, like Imam Al-Suyuti rahimahullah and Imam Zainuddin Al-Iraqi, many of the senior muhaddithin, they say that there's no harm in practicing on this hadith. It should, done, it should be done within uh, moderation. And it should be done within permissible things. If a person spends on the family, the parents, the, fam the, the needy of the community, outside our community, this will all be included in the virtue of spending on this particular day. And if families get together tomorrow night, also it's not a problem. We, don't, we know many times we want to be technical over the smallest things. When there's an occasion to be happy, then we start fighting about, okay, the virtue of spending on your family is on the 10th day, but now Maghrib tomorrow is the beginning of the 11th day, so you can't invite your family for supper. Baba, it's all right if you invite your family, it's okay. Plus, it's a public holiday, so no harm, it's okay. You can invite your family and have a big niyyah of, of making amal on the hadith. Sometimes our technicalities is what, what breaks our hearts, respective brothers. Somebody wants to do something, and then we find fault. I don't know, where did you find it? Everything is an objection. If there is nothing contradicting the sharia of Islam, there is nothing going against the Quran and the integrals of sharia, then we should open our hearts a little bit more respect to brothers. And the final thing, I know time is up. I do not want to uh, take too much of your time. There was an event which happened much later, 60 years after the hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And that was one of the saddest occasions in the history of Islam, in the history of humanity. It was the assassination and martyrdom of the beloved grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Sayyidina Hussein ibn Ali. Sayyidina Hussein ibn Fatima bint al-Nabi alayhi salatu wassalam. Sayyidina Hussein, the son of Fatima, the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was mercilessly and brutally murdered on this particular day. In Islam, we are taught that everything is placed in its appropriate position. In terms of divinity and uluhiyya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wahdahu la sharika lahu. There is no partner unto Allah. The Anbiya alayhi salam, they are infallible and they are ma'asum. They do not commit sin or disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is their rank. Thereafter, we have the pious servants like the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And they are mahfud. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them and gave them the promise of Jannah. After them, there are all the other human beings who make mistakes and they falter. And so everything has its place. We do not give the, the level of a non-Sahabi the status of a Sahabi 
or the status of a Sahabi, the status of a Nabi, nor do we elevate a Nabi to the status of being Ilah. So everything has to have its place. Similarly, respected brothers, when we understand the day of Ashura, the virtue of this day was mentioned in the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, linking it to the incident of Musa alayhi salam. Yes, it so happened that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he wished to honor the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the highest rank of martyrdom and allowing him to enter the gardens of Jannah with the crown of being the king of the youth of Jannah, it was the day of Ashura that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored him with. The day of Ashura is not a day in which we lament and we, yes, we need to learn the events that had occurred on this particular occasion. Because without familiarizing ourselves with the history of what happened to Sayyidina Hussein and what the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, how they supported him, many times there are other factions and groups who have an adulterated and a warped understanding of the history of Islam. They've adjusted Islam and fabricated uh, another type of understanding and tried to patch it onto the body of Islam and then thereby resulting in deviation, saying that Sayyidina Hussain make it a Sunni and a Shi'i matter. The people who oppressed, and if you allow me a few minutes, I just want to touch on something which is coming to mind now. So in, after the 60th year after Hijrah, Sayyidina Hussain was in Medina Munawwara. He was informed that um, Sayyidina Muawiyah, who was a Sahabi, had passed away, and his son has now taken, place, taken his position. His name was Yazid. And this Yazid, Sayyidina Hussain and many of the Sahaba were not happy with him. He's not a Sahabi. Yazid is not a Sahabi. And they refused to take the Pledge of Allegiance. At that time, the people of Kufa, who were initially the followers of Sayyidina Ali before that, they sent a letter, they sent letters to Sayyidina Hussein, who now left Medina and came to Mecca. They said to him, that come to Kufa, we, were, we, we lived with your father and we prefer living with you, so we will give you uh, a place to, to settle in Kufa and you will be our leader in Kufa. And sometimes in the, the historical narrations it is mentioned up to 600 letters were received at a time in Mecca. So many of the Sahaba, some of his friends, Abu Sa'id Khudri and Abdullah bin Umar, many of the senior Sahaba said to him, you know, these people of Kufa don't trust them. The people of Iraq don't trust them. Because they promised your father many things, but they didn't stand by him when he needed their support. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu Don't go. So Sayyidina Hussein said, but here's all the letters, they are pledging their allegiance. So in order for him to be convinced, he sent his cousin, Sayyidina Muslim ibn Aqil, who was also from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu he sent him to Iraq, to Kufa. So when he reached Kufa, he started finding out who are the people who are sending these letters and expressing this support to Sayyidina Hussein and requesting him to come and be their leader. And very shortly, 12,000 people pledged their allegiance in his hand and said, we are here to welcome Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu Sayyidina Hussein sends a letter to, to Mecca. Muslim ibn Aqil sends a letter to Sayyidina Hussein in Mecca. And now you can come. These people are ready to welcome you. The governor of Iraq, of Kufa, sends a message to Damascus where Yazid was based and tells him that this is what is happening. There's a revolt about to, to uh, emerge and you need to step and intervene. So he sends the notorious bloodthirsty person by the name of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. Ubaidullah bin Ziyad comes with a small group of people, 12 to 17 people, and he disguises himself as he comes into Kufa. He wasn't sure are these rumors true or not. So when he was coming into Kufa, he covered his face. 
And the people of Kufa came out and said, Marhaban bi ibn binti Rasulillah. Welcome to the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then he realized, okay, the rumors are true. These people are standing with Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu. And immediately he started rounding up with his small group of people. He started finding out who's the instigators who are standing against me and the, and the Banu Umayyah, the Umayyad dynasty. And he had them arrested. Muslim ibn Aqil radiallahu anhu now said it's time for us to show our voice and he called those 12,000 people that where are you let us go and express our dissatisfaction with what you are doing and we are inviting Sayyidina Hussein to come here from the 12,000 many of them didn't show up only 4,000 and they went around the, the, the fort of, of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad who was the governor sent from, from Damascus and he looked at them and he, he sent his spies around to the families to tell them Tell the family members of these youngsters when the big army comes from Damascus, they're not going to leave any one of them. And gradually, all those people who sent the letters of support to Sayyidina Hussein in the hundreds and the thousands to come to Iraq and we will look after you, they are the same ones who started moving away from Muslim ibn Aqil, who he sent as his representative. And by the time it was Maghrib, he was standing alone and he was walking alone in the, in the, in the, in the alleys of Kufa. He was given refuge, captured. And Ubaidullah bin Ziyad took him to the, the top of the fort and had him executed. Sayyidina Hussein was already on his way to, to, to Iraq. As he comes to uh, the place which is known as Karbala, Sayyidina Hussein is confronted by one of the commanders of the army of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. And he says to them, he realizes that now there's no chance of him entering Kufa because of the, the one is the oppression of the army which is coming towards him. And in the same army that came to stop him now were the people who sent letters to him. These are the true villains of this particular incident. One is the true villains of the people who martyred Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anh, are the ones of Iraq and the people of the Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and company. And the other villains are the ones who invited him and deserted him and left him at his time of need. So Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anh said, okay, give me one of three options. Either you allow me to go back to Mecca where I came from or allow me to go to the outskirts of the Islamic land and I will stay on the border as a normal Muslim and make an effort in spreading the deen of Islam to the further lands or allow me to go to Yazid in Damascus and I need to discuss this matter with him. The treachery of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and the people in his army, they were not willing to do that. They attacked Sayyidina Hussein and killed all the men of his family besides one, one son of Sayyidina Hussein whose name was Ali, Sayyidina Ali Zainul Abidin, and they wanted to kill him as well. But his sister Sayyidina Zainab, the daughter of Azad Fatima radiallahu anha, stood in front of them and said, this young boy, he is sick. What is the need? If you want to kill him, you have to go through me. She defended him. He was the only surviving male from the family of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu So this was a very treacherous and a very sad event, respected brothers. What had happened thereafter, eventually the family of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ended up going back to Medina Munawwara. But these people who deserted Sayyidina Hussein the next year and the following year, they realized their folly and their blunder. They realized, hey, we deserted the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at his time of need. So the following year, they went back to Karbala to start wailing and weeping and beating themselves up, blaming themselves for what they had done. And they called themselves the Tawwabin, the repenters. They called themselves, we're repenting for deserting. Sayyidina Hussein is shaheed already. He's already in Jannah. But what you needed to do, you didn't do. So, from that group emerged an idea. 
they said, okay, what we need to do to make up for our, our blunder is we need to go after whoever was involved in the martyrdom of Sayyidina Hussein. They were part of it. But they now targeted Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and the various other people and, and they became well-known because of it. Now, because somebody is doing something now, so they became well-known that this is a group of people that are assassins that they are going after the murderers of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu. From this group emerged a person by the name of Mukhtar ibn Abi Ubaid al-Thaqafi. And he was, eventually he claimed prophethood and he, various other things emerged from this particular group and this person. Nabi sallallahu said in a hadith, from the Banu Thaqif, the Banu Thaqif is a tribe of Ta'if. We all know in Ta'lim we hear the story of Nabi sallallahu was going to Ta'if and how he sacrificed and how they persecuted him. But they became Muslim afterwards. But Nabi sallallahu said, in my ummah from this particular tribe, there's going to be a kathab wa mubir. There's going to be a, a, a great liar. One and another is a mubir, a, a tyrant ruler. One was Hajjaj bin Yusuf, the tyrant ruler of, of Kufa and Iraq who came after, afterwards in the Banu Umayyah, and the other was Mukhtar ibn Abi Ubaid al-Thaqafi, this particular person. So he gained prominence due to going after the people who were, who were guilty of the assassination of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu These people invented the, to maintain the ideology and, and the false uh, image that they're trying to pre, uh, uh, present of themselves, on a yearly basis on the 10th of Muharram, they would go to the place of Karbala and now beat themselves, cry, stab themselves. And what happens up to this day in time is unbelievable. People will put chains with bare blades on it and hit on their backs. They'll cut their baby's head so that blood flows because they want to experience the sacrifice of Sayyidina Hussein, whereas the Sharia of Islam is free from that. Nabi said, Laysa minna man al those people are not from amongst us who slap their faces and who tear their clothing. And the people who, who, who call out chants of ignorance. So this uh, habit or the practice of wanting to express sadness and wail and weep and, and uh, pretend to be uh, the, the oppressed person is actually due to the activities of the same group of people who deserted Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu. So we need to be very careful and not fall victim to that. Yes, we understand it is the sad occasion, but also, in, if we look into history, the first of Dhul-Hijjah was the day of the assassination of when Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab passed away. And in the month of Safar, was two generations after that, the son of Sayyidina uh, Ali Zainul Abidin, the surviving son of Sayyidina Hussein, he had a son whose name was Zayd. He also stood up in revolt against the, the rulers of his time, and the same people of Kufa, 30,000 of them came to him. And they said, we'll support you. And before the battle, they said to him, oh Zayd, tell us, what do you say about Abu Bakr and Umar? So it means the true identity of these people was actually hatred towards the Sahaba. Their foundation is against the creed of Islam. So they said to him, oh Zayd, what do you say about Abu Bakr and Umar? So he said, Wazira Jaddina. They were the two ministers and advisors of our grandfather. And we will never express any detachment from them and allegiance. We will always be attached and allegiance, pledge our allegiance to them. So they said to one another, you see, we told you you can't trust this uh, Zayd bin Hussein bin Ali bin Abi Talib because they're still with Abu Bakr and Umar. This is the foundation of the Shia respected brothers. They are the true villains of the incident of Karbala. Today, many times they claim that they are the ones that are expressing their love to the family of Nabi Sallallahu But they are the ones of Kufa who called Sayyidina Hussein and left him at the last minute. They are the ones who told Sayyidina Zayd bin Ali bin Hussein that we are going to stand by you 
and support you against the, the tyrants of our time. And when he stood, he was 300 and he became Shaheed alone in that battle. 300. He left him from 30,000 to 300. Sayyidina Hussein was left alone. He's only one surviving son and the women of his family. So yes, we understand history. We love the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but we are not driven by emotions and stories which are fabricated without any historical uh, significance or integrity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding to value this time. Tomorrow is the day of Ashura. May we fast it. May Allah give us the blessings. And may Allah send the Nusra and the help that he sent for Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. May Allah send that for the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah send it upon our Muslim brothers and sisters in, in Palestine, in Gaza, in the various parts of the world. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to turn to him in repentance. And this is the beginning of our new Hijri year, respected brothers. Let us try to develop a program for ourselves in terms of our, uh, our dini, a'mal, our activities, our salah, learning a bit more on a daily basis, even if it be a little bit, inshallah. Make that intention that this year will be better than last year, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم علمنا ما جهلنا وذكرنا ما نسينا وزدنا علما ونعوذ بك من حال أهل النار ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه اجمعين الحمد لله رب العالمين